Ladies and gentlemen, how do? Hello and welcome to Mondo Street Social Club, a new podcast aimed at bringing creative minds together. Mondo Street is about sharing the creative process, discussing the highs and lows, and talking about how we cope when the creative genie eludes us. Pull up your comfy chair, put on your best headphones, and enjoy the next hour. Hello and welcome to Mondo Street Social Club. Today I'm joined by Sarah Page. Sarah is a uh, a young adult fantasy author and an estates attorney. Um, and you're in Phoenix in Arizona in the US. Hello, Sarah. Hi, Phil. Thanks for having me. You're more than welcome. How are you today? You well? I am doing good. It is still bright and early over oh. in Phoenix. So the day is yeah. just beginning. And what kind of temperatures do you think you'll hit today? Oh, it was up to um, 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Whoa. And so I, I'm very bad at converting that to Celsius, but um, it's pretty hot. 40. But so, Somewhere around about 40. I think we're lucky if we crack about 20 at the moment. So it's, uh, yeah, I'm, st- I'm still wearing a coat, but that's age related, I'm sure. Um, so Sarah, tell me a little bit about how you got into writing. Because obviously, a state's attorney and young adult fantasy writer they're not two things that you tend to think about going together one is very very serious and and one is in in the mindset of less serious things in life so so how did that work for you how did that start out yeah so i have always been a writer at heart and so one of the things that i would do when i was really little my dad would pull me up on his lap and we would write these stories i couldn't type um but he would type them into the word processor for me and they were all about like mermaids and dragons and he would fill them up with Microsoft clip art and print them and staple them together into little books. I wrote a lot growing up and through high school. And then I kind of dropped off writing um, through a lot of college just because college and university took a lot of time and energy. When I was in law school, I was skiing along campus and I saw this sign uh, that was advertising an essay contest. And I was like, and the, the grand prize was $3,000 for winning, which is a broke college student. Uh, that was a lot of money. So it's like, maybe I'll throw my hat in the ring. And I ended up re-falling in love with writing again and became obsessed with winning this contest. And spoiler alert, I actually did win. And I have a super funny story about um, winning. So yeah, I'm excited please, to tell it, that. Yeah, it, it, well, tell, tell it now if it if it fits in with, with your journey. Yeah, please do. Yeah. Okay, so... The essay that I won with was called Blue Bones. Um, And it's talking about the school's colors are navy blue and white. And I was talking about how like I have blue bones because um, I wanted to go to this university for so long. And um, as a part of winning, I got to read it to the entire university at the homecoming opening ceremonies, uh, which was a really big deal. It was a very, very big crowd that I got to read the essay for. Um, So the guy who is announcing the MC he gets up to announcing. He's like, now we're going to hear from Sarah uh, Page, and she's going to read her essay titled Blue Balls. <laughs> I went to a very conservative uh, Christian university, and so I'm getting up there, and the entire university thinks that I am getting up to read an essay about blue balls. And I get up there, and I, I, I read it, right? 
um, it's on video, so I have it recorded. And if you go listen, you can definitely hear like the little bit of splur blue balls. <laughs> so anyways, that made me refall in love with writing. I had a story that I had been working on in high school. And um, when I started uh, practicing law, again, I was like, you know, if I had just written like one paragraph a day, I haven't written anything and probably five or six years. If I had just written one paragraph a day, I would be done by now. And so that's how I started. You don't write a book overnight. You write a book, one sentence, one line, one word at a time. So that's fantastic. I, I take it there were lots of disappointed faces in the uh, auditorium when it was blue bones. Yes. So yeah. <laughs> I think that my husband was sitting in the crowd and he was like the guys behind me started cackling like so loud i think that most people were just shocked again i went to a very uh conservative small religious college and so the fact that i think nobody was just expecting uh an essay called blue balls uh, really blue bones <laughs> but everybody thought blue balls so yeah that's, that's <laughs> wow i i don't know how i would have reacted if i'd heard that i think i would have yeah, I think I would have cackled to say the very, very least. So I think you're right. I think, you know, you don't write a book in one go and you don't write it overnight and breaking it down into those smaller chunks is most probably a, a very, very wise thing to do, given the fact that you have a, a full-time job, you know, that you've got a, an occupation which no doubt consumes huge amounts of your energy uh, and, and needs all of your focus. Did you find that, writing it even in those small bits was giving your your mind some freedom during the day when you were doing the more in inverted commas grown-up things oh absolutely so i would go on walks my office building backs a lake and it's really nice so i would go on walks and brainstorm all about and listen to music and think all about my writing and so while i was writing it in very small chunks the initial draft my brain was working on it even when i wasn't being super active. And the interesting thing, I know usually you think about law as being very like serious and very, uh, you know, like grown up, but law can also be very creative too. And so my area of law, I do uh, trust in estates. So when someone needs estate planning, I can help them do the planning. And then when someone dies, I help administer the estate after death. And you can get a little bit creative with that. So one quick story, um, this is one of my favorites. So we had a client and he wanted to make sure he was an avid, uh, BYU fan. And we connected over this an old, older gentleman, avid BYU fan. And he said, I never want my grandkids to cheer for the rival, um, university of Utah. They have a very, very, very heated rivalry. And so he said, every time BYU beats its rival, I want the trust to pay out. And this is what we decided to keep his grandkids from ever cheering for the rival college. Every time BYU beats the rival, mm. all the grandkids get a thousand dollars. I don't care where <laughs> you're going to school. Um, if you are a broke college student and there is a thousand dollars on the line for yeah. BYU beating the rival, you're going to show up and you're going to be in the full oh. body paint and you're going to be cheering <laughs> as loud as possible. What a fantastic idea. Uh, and that just shows the not only the love of his team or his or his, his college, but also for his grandchildren. 
Yeah, yes. it, it gives them something to to aim for, which is absolutely brilliant, and that and that is creativity. You know, it's it's how you I take it is that how you write that then into the trust documents. Yeah, and so then we yeah. craft the trust and the estate plan so that whenever you know BYU beats its rival, the growing kids paid out. And now BYU hasn't won for a number of years. Oh. And so I'm sure there are a lot of really sad grandkids. <laughs> but they're probably still showing up and cheering. And that is the moral of the story, isn't it? That yes. granddad was right. And yes, you should be going to those games. It it's funny you mentioned that you you listen to music. I I, I do uh some I look into my guests before they come on and you've, you've put down on one of your pages that you have like a vibes playlist when you're writing. Yeah. So definitely music has a big impact on, um, you know, my, it helps you picture scenes and can help you, uh, get into it. I don't listen to music when I write. That's a little bit too distracting. Um, sometimes on planes, I'll turn on like classical music and just like listen to the same song over and over again. But listening to music while I'm brainstorming ends up being a really good brainstorming tool. And so I do have a bunch of playlists and they're filled with the most random songs that you can possibly imagine. But it's a song that I listened to when I heard, uh, when I was picturing a scene. And interestingly, um, sometimes I'll forget like what inspired what scene. So I was going back through an old playlist and there was a line in there that I was like, oh, that must have inspired that scene years and years and years ago. So yeah, it's was, it was funny because on the uh your vibes playlist for Serpent Green, uh you've got one of my favorite bands, Royal Blood and a track. Oh yes. Typhoon. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it just goes to show small world. You know, they're they're a, a two piece from I think they're from Bath in England. Oh, I didn't know they were an English band. Uh, they are, yeah. I saw them uh, before they were signed. I saw them in Liverpool in 2014. Yeah, so uh, a fair while ago. And they, uh, yeah, they're a good band. But you can definitely tell that was just after they'd done some work with Josh Homme out of Queen to the Stone Age mm-hmm. on that album. So you can definitely change the, see the change in the sound. Sorry, taking you away from your story. No, no, no. I love, um, my husband is the one that introduced me to Royal Blood. So we have very different tastes in music. He's more punk uh, rock and like, he likes Incubus and yeah. like kind of like the grungy punky stuff. And I like more like straight pop. So I don't know if you notice on that playlist, there's also like Taylor, Taylor Swift. Swift. Top. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> a lot of Taylor Swift. And so, but he introduced me to Typhoon and in my mind, if you want to know what I was picturing and why I put that one on, I just picture like these characters like walking away from an explosion um, as they're like singing like Typhoon. Yeah. So, anyways. <laughs> and definitely a band to to go back to their earlier work, although it's a bit darker. So it, okay. it might not be the a positive influence. There was one thing that uh, in a piece that you wrote called Baptism, Yes. That really, really struck me. And I, and I like to do this when I'm interviewing somebody who's creative. I like to pick up a piece that they've, something that they've written or something they've created and just say, how did they get to that? Because this is brilliant. Folding chairs, the smell of crayons and hymn book glue. I just love that. Thank you. So <laughs> one of brilliant. the things that I try and do in my writing is to get really like specific with the details because um those specific concrete details help put the reader into the story and so just trying to draw on like okay what are some specific things that i can bring to ground this story 
Yeah, that was because that that actual the the smell of crayons and hymn book glue took me back to when I was a kid, and there was an old swimming swimming centre that we'd go to, which mm-hmm. uh, which had multiple use and multiple occupancy. So that was that was just a great line. That was I was just so chuffed when I read that. I thought, oh yeah, that's real. You've done your job there as a as a writer. You've given me a, a solid image to to grab hold of to actually pull me into that story. That was fantastic. So what was it then about young adult fantasy that that you steered towards that? What was it in you that steered you? So I like really fluffy, silly fantasy. I always tell people I kind of have the sense of humor of like the 12 year old boy. So most of my stories are pretty silly. If you read, um, like for example, the one I'm writing about right now, is about a girl who accidentally binds herself to the crown prince. And so anything that she feels, uh, anything negative that happens to her, he feels and vice versa. And so she gets her period and he gets the cramps. And like, for example, she gets mad at him and decides to climb a bunch of stairs um, and makes his legs really sore. Because again, (laughs) anything bad that she feels, he transfers to her. So it makes his legs really sore and he bursts in and he's like, what did you do? She's like, I went for a walk. And he's like, with Satan? Um, I have the scene later on and I haven't written it yet, but it's in my head where they're like trying to move a body and she's like, lift better Dante. And he's like, I can't because somebody went wild on leg day. And so like, I really, like I said, I have the sense of humor as a 12 year old boy and I'm not, I think middle grade is a little bit too young for me. And so that's about like, so young adult fantasy is a good fit uh, for me. Yeah. And, and I think that that's what typically, cause our, cause our grade systems work different in UK and US. So that's typically what 13 to 18, is it? Somewhere around yeah, like that. fourteen to eighteen is yeah. young adult. Yeah, cool. That's it's really it's really good. And I suppose the one of the benefits as well of of young adult fantasy is that you can spin into it a positive story uh, and positive experiences of things that they'll see and feel as they as they grow through teenage life. Because there's a lot of negativity around being a a young adult now. You know, social media, the influences of, of traditional media. And I think it's really nice that there's still a, a space where people can write stories, which may be fluffy, and there's nothing wrong with fluffy. Fluffy's fluffy's what we all need. But I just think it's great that, that that space and there's people like yourself working in that space. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting how um, they are really like light and fluffy stories, but I have drawn a lot from my own life experiences For example, the one that I am querying right now, and so I've written a book, I've actually written a couple books, but I'm in the process of seeking an agent to represent that book. So you go and you find an agent and they say, yes, I like you, and then they will try and sell it to publishing houses is how publishing works. So I'm on the first step trying to find an agent for this book. And the book that I am looking for an agent for, I have drawn in a lot of life experience. And so... Uh, one of the strong themes of that. It's a really fluffy book. Um, the humor is a little bit harder to explain uh, than the humor in Serpent Green, but it is just yeah. as funny yeah. as Serpent Green, I promise. But the theme of that is really imposter syndrome and realizing that you are good enough. So when I was a young associate, and this is where the story kind of bloomed from, um, I was just barely starting out my career and I had a mentor who took me under his wing and he was kind of helping me out and 
about a year in, he took me out to lunch and he was like, Sarah, um, I'm going to have a heart to heart with you. You're not good at legal writing. You're not good at legal research. The only thing you're good at is filling out forms. And that just like made me, it tore me down and made me feel about two oh. feet tall. And I, I think I cried every day for four months and I would just like, my husband would look at me and I would say, if I just start bursting into tears, it's because <laughs> I think I'm thinking about my job. Oh. And it's just like, no, I was not a terrible attorney. I was just the first associate that that attorney had hired in many years. And I was new. And when you're new, you're learning a lot. And so I am a very good attorney and I'm good at what I do, but I was just learning. And I think he was being a little bit overly critical in hindsight. Mm -hmm. um, I did not have that hindsight at the moment. And so I wanted to write a story. And this, the story that I'm querying right now kind of came out of that really dark place where I, I wanted to write a story because I felt like I was two inches tall and I felt like I was a nobody and like I didn't matter. And I wanted to write a story about a nobody who ended up being like a somebody and being really important. And that's kind of where the seed of the book that I'm querying, it's called House of Smoke. Yeah. And so that's the seed of where House of Smoke came from. And so it is a very fluffy, silly story. Um, many people have said, oh, I've laughed out loud when I was reading this. But the emotional heart does come from that experience. Yeah, and, and imposter syndrome is something that can affect all of us at any time, at any age. I've I've spoken to several musicians recently who have said that they have imposter syndrome, that they get to work with one of their idols or a group of other musicians that they know are technically better than they are. And they'll say, well, what am I doing on this stage? This guy's a virtuoso and I am not as good as him. I shouldn't be here. And, and imposter syndrome is an incredibly destructive syndrome. You know, the, the, the simple answer is you are good enough. Sometimes it's the people that are imposing those pressures on you who are having the problems themselves and they're projecting onto you to try and relieve the, the pressure on themselves. You know, it's, uh, which sounds maybe what was something with that elder gentleman before, you know, he was, he was having some issues and he decided to push them downhill, which is unpleasant and unfair, but you know, you are good enough. And I, t I tell my stepdaughter that all the time, you know, be happy, be healthy. That's enough. Everything else is a bonus. You know, you, you are good enough as you are. And that's the thing about art too, is it's so subjective is that, you know, what I write is not for everybody. And the same thing with the musicians that you were talking to, what they write is not for everybody. And same thing with Royal Blood, you know, like my, I, I like Royal Blood, Royal Blood is not for everybody. Their older stuff is probably not for me because it's a little bit more of the um, grungy, punky stuff that my husband likes. Um, but I like their newer, poppier stuff. So again, just because it's not for, and that's been something that I've had to learn throughout this journey of uh, querying and writing. And also at my work is that, you know, not everything is for every person and not every person is for every person. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's like tough because we want to be like the best and especially the way that the law is in the United States. So um, when you go to law school, it's all graded on a curve. So they'll only give out so many A's and so many B's and so many C's. And so you're competing against your peers and it really, uh, it really benefits perfection. So, and that's what, and so you get a lot of type A people coming into law school. And then 
you say, well, your grades are going to help you get a good job when you're done. And we're only going to give out so many A's. And, you know, so the, the average is like a C, um, is what people are getting in these classes. And so you have, anyway, so the law just has you competing against your peers and, um, you know, sets you up for this perfectionist mindset. And then it's interesting going into the artistic field where it's one of those things where you work together and you lift each other up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're an artist, a rising tide raises all boats and you need other people and you need their help to be able to make your work the best that it absolutely can be. And that's such a difference from law school where you are literally competing against your peers. So how do you balance that then? Because obviously, you know, you are in both camps. You're in the in the creative and the legal. And although there is an element of creativity within your legal work, coming up through that perfectionist, you know, fighting your peers, fighting against your peers, how did you balance that? Those two elements? years of deconstructing, <laughs> I will tell you. It's been a journey, yeah. um, and I've been practicing law for five years now, and have been writing. Um, like I said, I took a break through a lot of college and law school, and so I've also been writing. Uh, pretty consistently for about five years now as well. And it has been a huge deconstruction process over the course of many years. I'm still balancing it and I'm still learning. Um, so not perfect yet. Yeah. That that moment when um, your associate, not the associate, sorry, the, the gentleman told you that you weren't good enough. That sounds like a, a pretty low point in your career. What's been the highest point so far in either you, you know, you, your writing or your, your legal career? The highest point. So I'll answer for both. Okay. The highest point of my legal career is the people. I work with some amazing, amazing people. And I have had some really amazing mentors. One of my favorites is um, my colleague, Bob Sewell, runs a podcast. Uh, is that even legal? I had, yeah, I heard so, you on him. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. he will ask silly legal questions like, can you get um, a drunk driving ticket for drunk driving on a bike? And like, <laughs> you know, can, um, how do you fix? So if you get pulled over by a police officer or a law enforcement officer, like what should you say? Obviously it's geared towards more of a U.S. audience, but um, they do have listeners from all over the world. So it's a very fun podcast. Anyways, to celebrate his... 10,000 download or 40,000 download or something like that. We threw him a surprise party. And so, and it was my brainchild. I did it. (laughs) I uh, sequestered him and was asking him all of these silly like questions about cases just to like keep him busy. Well, everybody went and set up the break room and decorated it in yellow because that's his colors. And then we walked into the break room and everybody in the office is there. And I work at a pretty big law firm. Um, We're actually the third biggest in the state, but we have multiple offices, but there's quite a few people who work out of our office. And so everybody in our office is standing in the break room and they all shout surprise. And he's a redhead. Um, and so he turned like feet red, um, and just like turned around and walked out. Yeah. <laughs> he was just like so shocked. Yeah. Um, my other favorite Bob story is, and he's going to kill me for telling this if he listens, <laughs> Bob, if you're listening, cover your ears. Yeah, Bob, um, it's okay, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> but one of the funny, so associate life, like trying to pick up a partner. So the, the weird things that the partner partners at the law firm ask us to do. So I'm Bob calls me. He says, what are you doing? 
And I say, I'm eating breakfast. And he's like, how good of friends are we? And when somebody starts off a conversation with how good of friends are we? Like, you know, that a big ask is coming. Yeah. And he's like, I misread my calendar this morning and I biked into the office. And when he bikes into the office, it's like an hour and a half bike ride. So he's like, I biked into the office and I have court um, in like 30 minutes. Can you come pick me in my bike up? And I'm like, okay. So I jump in the car. Like I said, luckily I've showered. And so I jump in the car and I start like, I'm like, Bob, where are you? And he's like panic biking around town and he won't give me an exact location. <laughs> and so I'm like calling him like, where are you? And he's like, <laughs> he's like, I'll tell you when you get closer. And I'm like, Bob, I am closer. I need to know where you are. And I'm like, finally, I'm like, Bob, you need to. And this is like the third phone call. I'm like, Bob, you need to pull over on your bike and just wait for me to come pick you up because I am driving all over town looking for you <laughs> and this is not working. So I'm like, pull over, change from your biking outfit into your, um, into like a suit jacket. And then that way, when we get to the office, all you have to do is you have to go sit down, um, in front of your computer and you're already dressed and yeah, you'll be like sweaty in your shirt, but, um, you'll still look okay for the yeah, camera because yeah. it's zoom court, um, is what everybody is doing or teams court online court. So I finally like find him. And I pick him up and he's wearing his like little tiny tight biker pants oh, no. with like a dress shirt and his <laughs> bike. <laughs> and then he proceeds to like get in my car and I have Taylor Swift like blasting because again, <laughs> I love Taylor Swift. Yeah. So I like panic, like, and he's like on the phone. By the time I finally pick him up, court has started. And so he's like on the phone waiting to get into the court and then like Taylor Swift starts. And then I'm like driving and he's like doing court and I'm just like silently chauffeuring him. And so I'm like... It's just associate life, right? The things oh, that you get asked to do. I do have, and I won't show this picture to anybody because he would die. Again, yeah. he would die if he knew I told that story, but he would really die if he, but I did take a picture of him oh. in his um, <laughs> uh, biker shorts. Yeah. And uh, so I have some very good blackmail. Oh, I'm, I'm going to say, yeah, definitely. I, I think you can take over his podcast for that. I really do. I, I do. And if you go listen to any of the episodes, there's a yeah. running joke about me trying to take over. That. So think, that's an yeah. excellent idea. Yeah. I think I heard the one where you, uh, you were you're doing your third uh, cover for him and you said that sets a precedent. So yeah, I, I, I totally concur with that, Your Honor. I really do. Okay. Um, so what about a high point from your, from your creativity, from your writing point of view? Again, I think it's the, I think it's the people or is the high point. And so um, I've just had the opportunity to rub shoulders with some really amazing writers and really amazing um, people who like not only build you up and make you feel so good. Um, like for example, so in querying the book that that's the process of submitting it around to off or to agents, I ended up getting a revise and resubmit from one particular agent. And she was the first agent who had requested um, the manuscript and the first one who got back to me and a revise and resubmit says, yes, I really, really like it, but there's one issue. And so her issue was, she was like, I didn't like uh, some of the stuff in the second half of it. And I'm like, fair. Um, the first half of it was really tight and the second half of it could have used a little bit more editing. So I was in the process of editing it and getting ready to resubmit it to 
her and I was stalking because everybody hangs out on Twitter, like all the writing, all right, writers, uh, writing Twitter is really big. So I was stalking this agent and I was stalking all of the authors that this agent represents. And there was this one girl that um, sounded like she had a really, really cool book and she uh, was offering to give away a, a query critique. And so we ended up talking and she read my book before I resubmitted it to the agent. And we became really, really good friends through that. And um, the agent ended up passing on the manuscript. She basically said, I really, really loved it, but there's still something that's not quite clicking for me. And I want uh, some, you know, I, I want you to have someone who is 100% in love with it. And I will absolutely take a look at anything that you write in the future, but I'm unfortunately passing on this one. But before she passed, this uh, this author, so I would like tweet, and then I would, know, I would tweet her about the book, and then I noticed that Christina would like retweet it, and like, or like hide tweet it, because her agent sees her um, tweets. And so we ended up talking and conspiring, and I was like, if I tweet this, will you retweet it so the agent sees it? And she sent me like a really cute, um, like gift. And so anyways, yeah, it just meeting the people on both sides are really what makes or breaks something both on the law side and on the writing side. That's really good. That's really good. Cause that, again, it's a, it's another positive story, isn't it? It's about support, about creative mm -hmm. people supporting each other. And that's, that's really good. Is there a, a particular author who's inspired you? Um, and if so, have they affected your writing style? Yeah, so I really like uh, V.E. Schwab. So she lives in I think, Scotland right now. And she does a lot of like fantasy and some YA fantasy and also some like middle grade stuff. She like writes the entire gambit. But I really like how her style is a lot more like pretty and like literary and like almost like not like overly flowery, but a little bit poetic. And I love that like kind of like lyrical, almost poetic, but not like overly flowery that it's like weird, you know? Anyway, so I would say V.E. Schwab. And yes, I do aspire to write like her. And um, my critique partner, I was talking to her one time about um, description. And I was like, you know, I write kind of choppy sentences sometimes. And she's like, yeah, but V.E. Schwab also does that same thing. And I'm like, oh, that's the nicest compliment that you could give me. <laughs> that's yeah, I like that. I, I, do, I do love a nice compliment when you when you need it, just to give you that little pickup. Any any books that you've read, you know, you, you're within that YA slot at the moment. Have you any, read any books that have made you want to move into another area? You know, say I, I'm I am very very poorly read. Um, my my reading dip is about thirty years at the moment. Um, since I read a book which really really got me interested you know if you read something say like by Stephen King which is like well maybe I could do a horror story or a, a thriller or something like that yeah so I really I recently read uh The Honeys by Ryan Salata and that's a YA horror um again really really beautiful language and it was really well done I loved that luckily um my friend Christina who's the one that was retweeting my tweets and who I met through doing this revise and resubmit through the agent. She writes horror um, and it's really, really good horror. And so she's kind of, um, I'm living vicariously through yeah. her with her <laughs> horror. Um, but yeah, so that I also have kind of a fun idea for like a contemporary um, 
like a rom-com sort okay. of yeah. thing. I don't know if I, like I said, I really love like my dumb fluffy fantasy right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I am, but I think it would be fun to maybe try like a rom-com okay. or possibly a horror. So what's your, well, put two parts then. Uh, what's your favorite rom-com? Oh, let me think. I just read The Charm Offensive, and that was really, really fun. I don't remember who wrote it, but it's kind of like The Bachelor. Okay. Um, and it is The Bachelor, but the contestant falls in love with his producer, so it's a gay oh, right. rom-com. Okay. okay. Um, so that one was really fun. Okay. And your favorite horror? Probably The Honeys. Okay. I, I loved yeah. The Honeys. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Definitely some uh, some reading for other people. There. Right, there's a manuscript in your trunk in a trunk under your bed. Yes. Are you going to give us a clue or not? It's a witchy book. And here's the thing: writing when you start writing a book, you don't really know how to write a book, right? And so I like to liken it into building a house. So somebody gives you a bunch of nails and a bunch of wood and is like, "Build this house," and you put it together, and it's like not a very good house, right? And then trying to revise that um, can be difficult because the boards are cut in weird places and the mm. nails have already been yeah, hammered yeah. and you're pulling things yeah. out. And there's like, anyway, so that was my first book that I ever wrote. And there are some passages in it that are like really pretty that I still like love. And sometimes I go like scour its bones and like poach things from it because I'm like, that was really well said in that book. And so I go and pull it over and do whatever I'm working in right now. Um, but will that ever see the light of day? I don't know. It needs a lot of work. So I worked on that one for about two and a half years and then decided I need to just start, you know, I'm trying to build a house with materials that have been cut and like nails it. And now I know a lot more. And so I switched over to the other one that I started writing, uh, that was kind of, again, that it came from the experience of getting compared to, or getting told I wasn't good enough. Um, and now that one's done. I'm querying that one and I'm writing another fun one, which is actually the one, the theme of the one that I'm writing right now is about community. Um, so it's kind of funny. I'm, I'm noticing that that theme comes back through, um, the importance and power of community. So, okay. And, and something which is again, worldwide and not just youth specific, you know, that the, the breakdown of community across the world has been noticed even yeah. pre pre pandemic. Yeah. Uh, so people writing about it and trying to put some cement back into that, try and pull it back together would be deeply appreciated because it's one of the things that I notice every day. Yeah, it's definitely. So the theme is the power of community and how it's important to have other people and you can't just like do it on um, your own. So I'm writing it. So I write all my books for one specific friend. I have a group of friends and in my mind, I don't know if I have told all of them this, but in my mind, I call them my girl squad. Most <laughs> of them know each other because yeah. I've introduced them. I'm like, yeah. oh, you should like meet my friend so-and-so. <laughs> um, and so, you know, you're in my girl squad when I start trying to introduce you to my 12 other friends. But yeah. anyway, so every one of the books that I write is for a specific friend um, in mind. And so this one, the one that I'm writing right now is for my friend Ariana and she's really into Lord of the Rings. And so I'm like trying to like work in as many like subtle Lord of the Rings yeah, references yeah. as I possibly can and um, putting all the Ariana vibes into it. But 
it is interesting like watching it grow into because the theme is community and so um watching it almost grow into something a little bit bigger than that it is still ariana's book and it is for ariana but it's also in some way bigger than just that as well it's a fantastic idea that that you're writing it writing a book with a friend in mind so that so the whole story has the that flavor of that friend Mm-hmm. It's a love letter to that yeah. specific friend. That so is... I think about all of the yeah. things that they love in yeah. books. And so there's a lot of Lord of the Rings references. And um, there's, uh, yeah, like, again, it's it's a love letter to her. She's kind of like, Ariana has like a little bit of a resting bitch face too. Um, so, you know, and, and Sarah, so I have another friend named Sarah. And I know it's confusing that there are two Sarahs, but there are two Sarahs in the girl squad. So my other friend, Sarah, Ariana was getting ready to go on a date. Sarah was like, you have to remember to smile. I'm just blown away by that idea that you you have a friend, you have a group of friends and each one gets a book. That's Eventually that is the goal. I... I'm scheming. I have plans for the other ones. So all the girls in my girl squad, um, there are plans percolating for books for all of them. Some of them know that some of them don't. And if they're listening to this, this is going to be the first time that they have maybe heard that, but yeah, I have plans for all of them and I'm kind of a slow writer. So it'll take me a while to get through all of them. Yeah, And and as long as one of them doesn't turn out to be the, uh, the bad girl in a in a horror story i suppose you'll remain friends for many many years to come which would be yes. name, really yeah mm-hmm. um how do you deal with then like a like a slump so say for example you're you're in the middle of of querying or writing how do you deal with a tough day you know are you are you very structured in your writing process and does that help you with a slump or is that hinder you with a slump Yeah, so I try to write every single day, and sometimes it comes, sometimes it doesn't. So sometimes you sit down and you're like, you know, my soul just left my body a little bit and entered the page, like it's beautiful. And then sometimes you write and you're like, I can barely form, like, how do you write a sentence? (laughs) What is plot? What is character? And so, yeah, there are like, I think the thing with writing a book, though, and this is the thing with any sort of type of creativity is it's about um like consistency and persevering even through um like the slow times and so again you don't write a book all at once you write a book one sentence or one paragraph at a time and so and knowing like the beautiful thing about writing too is that it's not permanent until it's published and so sometimes so again we talked about perfectionism and how that can be really hard, especially in the law, when you're trying to be perfect and um, to match up to your peers. But in writing, there is no such thing as perfectionism. And um, I've really had to learn to let go of that perfectionist mindset and just write sometimes because um, perfectionism is the antithesis of creativity. I was just about to say that. I was just about to say that to you. That's a that's a very, very famous quote that the creative mind striving for perfectionism kills the creative process yeah it really does it really does so every day you'll sit down that's yeah i don't think i could do that i i I can't be that uh disciplined i'm somebody that does something when the moment strikes me 
mm-hmm. if I if I try and sit down and and do it, it's like you said, the soul just leaves the body immediately, just floats away and waves at me as it's leaving the window. So <laughs> I, I I can't do that at all, not at all, not at all. Um, so where do you? You've got your you've got your books. You've got more books brewing, including the witty one that will definitely be brewing. Where would you like those books to end up? I would love to be traditionally published someday. So there are a couple different avenues that you can take. Um, there's self-publishing, which is like you do it all yourself, and traditional publishing, which is you go through a um, traditional publisher. The reason I want to pursue traditional publishing is I think in YA, especially um, the reach is going to be a little bit farther for because again, I'm writing for teens. So I want my book to get into libraries. I want it to get into Barnes and Noble because a lot of teens still do shop at Barnes and Noble. Um, And so I think that from the research that I've done, uh, the reach can be a little bit farther through uh, traditional publishing. My friend, again, I know it's confusing because there's Sarah and Sarah Sarah, Sarah, and everybody is always (laughs) like, how do you tell each other apart? But my friend, Sarah Foster's teens and they are teens in a or she houses teens who are going through a drug rehab or not i shouldn't say drug rehab because it's a rehab center for all sorts of issues and so they'll go to school during the day at the school and then she'll come and she'll pick them up and bring them to her house and then they um, house them uh at night and there are very strict rules that these teens can um have to abide by for example there's like doorbells in her bathroom so they go to the bathroom and then they get like searched and then she searches them when they come out of the bathroom because again they're trying to make sure that they don't have anything that they shouldn't have um but there's one girl in there and um she i met her once Okay, so I went to Utah, hung out with Sarah, and Sarah went and picked up the girls. I think I was flying out that night. And so she picked them up from the school, and she is really into fantasy, young adult fantasy. And I talked to her, and I was like, Sarah's like, oh, did you know that Sarah, me Sarah, um, is an author? And so I, I shared with her the blurb of the book that I'm querying, and I shared with her like a little bit of details about it. And she just decided that she loved it. And um, I started asking my friend, Sarah, every single time Sarah saw her, like yelling at her across the parking lot, is there any news about <laughs> Sarah getting published? And Sarah's like, no, no news. <laughs> and so what I ended up doing is I got a, so I printed off one copy for her through like a, self-publishing like just like one single copy and I sent it to Sarah to give to her and Sarah took a video of her her get, get receiving this book and it's the most heartwarming video oh. that I think I've ever seen because she like screams a little bit yeah. and then she like pushes it to her face and oh. again it's like I made it myself like yeah. it's not been professionally edited at all and like I put the cover together myself mm. using Canva but it was just the most touching moment and her faith in me is like I I think this girl has more faith in me than I sometimes have in myself (laughs) because that's the other thing about writing is there's a lot of rejection um and a lot of times the rejection looks like you know I really liked it I just didn't love it or I really liked it send me your next piece um I've had several agents who are like please send me the next thing that you write um but for whatever reason like i'm not taking this one and so that is just like really hard and so i have had some really low moments too with querying 
and just having this girl and like seeing this like video of her like so excited to get my book i'm like that is why i write that yeah. is why i am doing this is to to make a difference and to help her and other teens realize that you know they are good enough and they're not alone there is community and um you know, I put a little bit of myself into every, it's for a friend. I yeah. write for a specific friend, but I, I do put a little bit of myself into every single book too. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's possible to create something, whether it be a book or a song or a painting without putting something of yourself into it. That, that yeah. That's your, that's your fingerprint on it, which says this, this is my style. This is my, this is how I want you to partake in it. And that story is so heartwarming. You, you know, you've, you'll have a fan for life with that girl and she'll share that experience with her friends and there's nothing more powerful than friends talking to friends being positive about something so well done you that's a a great story really really great story is there anything that you would like to uh promote before we finish is there anything that, that is people can go to and have a look about you or about your work so yeah, if you are interested, I am in the process of putting out a short story. It's not as of the time of recording this, it's not published yet, um, but I, I really hope to have it soon. And it's just something that I'm writing um, to put out so that people can get a sense of like my writing, if it's for them, if they wanna follow along with my journey. Um, so it is a prequel story to the one um, Serpent Green. So the one I'm writing right now about the girl and the boy and they feel everything that each other feels and she climbs the stairs and makes some sort. It's a prequel story to that. Um, and so you can get updates and you can get notified when it's and it might be out by the time that this is published. The link is still the same. But if you go to serpentgreen.com, so serpentgreen.com dot com um that will take you as of right now recording it just takes you to a place to sign up to get updated when that's available but when it is available you can you'll be able to put in your email and download the short story Fantastic. and it's going to be short yeah but that's a, that's a that's a nice gift from you to to your readers uh, yeah. to your future fans yeah Amazing. so if you like really silly fluffy fantasy yeah. um and some of the stories that i've told have made you laugh yeah. and you're like i want more that yeah. um definitely please check out um my short story yeah what i'll do sarah is i'll put all of your links in the description for the podcast so that people can reach out to you can grab what's available can enjoy your company through the written word um thank you very much for your time today i've thoroughly enjoyed getting to, to know you and learning more about you um so thank you sarah page okay thank you